Welcome to the Free Thinker Society podcast. I'm like, I want to rant, I think, about, about conspiracy theorists and fuck that term and explain how the CIA coined that term. And I said, you know, we're, we're free thinkers. And as soon as the episode was over, Sam called me. He's like, you need to start a show called The Free Thinker Society with Mike Romanelli. What is going on, my freaks, geeks, and free thinkers? This is Mike Romanelli. We're at season two, episode number seven. I'm here with my main man, Mystic Mark. What's up, Mystic Mark? Hey, what's going on? I'm good. Great, man. So today we had an interesting conversation, and uh, it was with Joe from Fringe FM. And guys, this is the definition of uh, free thinker society, because maybe you may or may not, I don't want to assume, but maybe you're not going to agree with some of his stuff, but... I got to tell you what, man, that's what the Free Thinker Society is about. It's to give people a platform for them to, to show what they're all about. And I had a great conversation with him. I thought we had an awesome conversation. And, you know, this guy's, uh, he's the real deal. You know, he's been through it. He's seen some of these things that we just research. And he, he truly is a, a real magician. And I hope you guys enjoy it. Like I said, I don't know, Mark, what do you think? I love it. I'm no stranger to these subjects. I think they're fun to dive into, even if you're not going to go and like do any of it, just to know that this kind of stuff is out there. And Joe has such a balanced look at it and he's very centered and grounded in the way he explains it. You know, it's not opinion based. It's like experience and perspective based. And I've been a, a guest on his show a couple of times, Lighting the Void on Fringe FM and yeah, he's a great dude. He knows a ton of stuff. And today we kind of got a little bit of everything that he knows. Yeah, very knowledgeable. I'm definitely going to start listening. I started listening today to his show and I'm going to continue listening. Really just the guy's got a ton of information and knows his stuff. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was very interesting. And and yet, like Mark said, it doesn't mean you have to practice magic, but if we, you know, these are the, the topics that we're going to, we cover in the Freethinker Society. And I thought it was really, really cool to have him on today. Well, you guys enjoy it. Yeah, and I remember hearing about this on on Sam's uh, on Sam's podcast on Tinfoil Hat, and it's uh. So, what do you got going on with Fringe FM? It sounds amazing. I started listening to it today, which so listeners could hear a little bit about it. Yeah, well, Fringe FM is something that back when I was listening to Art Art Bell and all this other stuff, but then I I liked conspiracy stuff and I liked paranormal stuff, and when, once Art Bell died, I felt like a part of me died. You know, mm. and, but I had a passion for radio. I loved live radio. I loved it. And I got tired of doing it alone. So I built the Fringe FM and started like adding hosts to it. And I kind of self-taught myself some stuff about radio and even went to like broadcasting websites, you know, schools that teach yeah. broadcasting and stuff like that. And would start, I started buying the books that they had to take and all this stuff. And I was like, man, this is fun. And, but I wanted to. I, I also wanted to build a place where people could have, you know, like, like this show, Free Thought, 
And I don't yeah. want it to be a controlled narrative. In fact, I didn't, I don't even like it when all my hosts agree on everything. I, yeah. I wanted to get it kind of fringy, you know, and cool. then it just, I mean, it took off from there, you know. If my memory serves me correct, like you, you jumped into it, right? Like you, you pretty much put everything that you were going on with your life and just dove into this, this, this radio, right? Yeah. I quit my job. Yeah. Basically. I love that. I just quit my job and I kind of built this like sh radio shack thing. Yeah. I had a, you know, uh, a place I'm like, look, I'm going to practice some of this like astral travel and maybe some occult stuff and see if this is real. And then on the other room, I'm going to do radio shows the hell with it and see what happens. You know, it's fucking awesome. Man. I love now, it. When did that, when did that, cause Joe, Joe, you and I have spoken many times before, but can you let us in on like the astral travel side of stuff and when that journey began? Cause I mean, you have a direct connection to Robert Monroe, right? In, in the sense that you went to his school, this guy is a legend in astral projection. He's, he yeah. wrote the book on astral projection. So, well, I don't know if I have a direct connection on Robert, man. I did go to a school, Sounds but, cool you know, to say I mean, that like the online version <laughs> of it. But as far as magically, I have a direct connection to certain people, right? But yeah, yeah, like the out-of-body experience. I just talked about this with Marilyn Hughes last night. A lot of people, when I bring up the out-of-body experience that I'm talking about, a lot of people think it's lucid dreaming or something. They're like, oh, yeah, I had this astral travel experience. And I'm like, no, listen to me. Listen to me what I'm telling you. <clears throat> I peeled myself out of my body slowly as I was sleeping and watched myself sleep. I became a ghost. I moved around. I was in a state of consciousness that wasn't a dream. It wasn't lucid dreaming. I was literally out of body like the mystics say, you know, and all the, the old texts and stuff like that. And it's just like Robert Monroe says. And, you know, once that happens, dude, like the real world and all its problems did not matter to me anymore. You know, it all becomes small, right? That's, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I totally. I, so I, I, I want to ask you because I, I think I have astral projected a couple of times, but it was might have actually happened the other night in bed. But I, I did it through uh, states of meditation. Are you able to achieve that through meditation? Not well, kind of. Well, I've tried the meditation thing with it, but it's it's. Uh, I would say yes, but not like that. Not not like that. Like it's okay. still it's still almost there because even after that i started having weird states like I, I would get out of my body but i'd be blind like i couldn't see nothing or i would partly get out of body or or, or things like that like it just never was that the same again you know and i did try the meditation the states and stuff like that but i never came out of body that way meditating i've had other experiences with meditation man absolutely right but it wasn't like it's, it wasn't like that one, right? Like it's like a, it was like a drug, you know, when you get your first high, you're trying to get back to that one. Yeah. And man, I don't think that's maybe it's because my brain is saying that, that I'm not getting back to it, but that thing that changed my life, but meditation, no, I've never had like a full blown out of body experience like that, you know, meditating. Okay. All right. So yeah, I'm wondering, I, I when I was really tight with my meditation practice, I've, I remember getting out of my body and seeing other places that I had no idea where they were, like like watching myself out of my body and watching these ancient structures and things. Now, I myself also questioned, was that just my head like freak? But it did feel very real. If only was able to do it once or twice. The other night I had the first, I guess you call it lucid dream, where I was out of my waking myself up out of dreams 
it's never happened before where I, I saw myself dreaming and like to the point, and it was like a nightmare where I had to get up out of bed and walk around and say, okay, I am not dreaming anymore. Where I just kept getting up. It was, it was wild. That happened two nights ago and that was completely nuts. And, uh, so I wonder if these things are similar, they're different. The, the astral projection that I, that I re recall for myself was, like I said, I was really practicing meditation with a meditation teacher and she would teach me how to go up to these different planes, she would say, before we get to, you know, to where we want to get to. And uh, we go up to the planes and then the seventh plane where you would supposedly see the creator and then boom, you'd go off and meditate. So it was like almost like meditation on steroids. Oh, yeah. I would, when I would work that with her, I remember one time doing this practice alone on my couch and leaving my body. And like I said, going to some kind of ancient structure. I don't know what it was, if it was a pyramid, I'm not sure. A lot of the things in my life and my experiences are a lot of just like almost stumbling across crazy things where later I'm like, what the fuck did I just see? I have something I want to, that, like, that happened to me. I want to ask you about also later, but I want to keep on this ast astral plane, astral projection thing. So you only achieved it once? Well, and now I've, I've that particular out of body state, which Robert Monroe called locale one, I only achieved once and in total awareness, I achieved it other, other times, right? Where, like I said, I was blind or I would start to kind of slip into some kind of different thing. But that one time was the one thing I always wanted. I was, man, I was so yeah. desperate to achieve it. Now, the way that he did it was through guided path working, but it wasn't like when you're just given visualizations, right? It was simply just hemi-sync with him talking, telling you to relax, relax in your body. And the whole idea was to keep your mind awake while your body falls asleep, which with sleep paralysis, people kind of fear it. But if yeah. you do it correctly your body will start to vibrate. You'll feel vibrations in your body. And that's when, that's when you're on the edge of slipping out. And, and night after night, I would sit up and it wouldn't work or I would try a different technique and it wouldn't work. And then just this one night, I was like, you know, I'm going to do it. And I, and I felt the vibrations and I just relaxed because I, I would get real excited about it, you know. But this mm -hmm. time I was like, all right, I'm just going to relax. And then I started getting up and I said, well, just don't get up too fast. Don't jerk around, just move. And I set up and there was no transition. It'd be like you just sitting up in that chair. So yeah. my mind told me that didn't work, you know? Exactly. And then w once I got up and I turned around and I looked, I'm just sprawled out on the couch with my mouth wide open. And I was like, holy shit, you know, it worked, right? And immediately I remembered William Buhlman also saying, get away from your body as fast as you can. So I went outside, right? And just started flying around in my front yard and stuff. And wow. it wasn't like flying in a dream or where you feel like you're flying or whatever. It was more like, re it was real. Like I, I could focus on, I had to focus on where I wanted to fly to and pull myself towards it. And that's wow. how Robert Monroe would talk about it. Stretch, stretch to the places that you want to go. And the reason why I know it's exactly what he was talking about is because I've never had an experience just like that mm -hmm. since. Now I've had out of body experiences and stuff, but there's been a little bit of blurriness, kind of like it could have been a dream. Yeah. You see what I mean? I Maybe. But <laughs> this was not. This was not. This was definitely not. You were you know, in control. And, yeah, I was in total control. I remember everything. There was this slight kind of I don't know if you've ever done acid or anything, but there's this <laughs> there's this slight kind of hum, just like when you're on acid or something yeah. too. Just yep. a little bit of a hum going on. And you know. I thought, 
I thought this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Like, I'm just going to go around and play around in this world. Yes. But, but once I, once I did it, I realized it wasn't, wasn't that easy. And then I got into like magic and stuff and the occult. And I'm talking specifically about Kabbalistic ceremonial magic, which is really old school, you know? Yes. And their whole thing is to build, is to build this energetic body for astral traveling. Cause the real mysteries, it's not in Freemasonry. It's not in all these buildings that people go to and stuff. These are just exoteric symbolic training grounds for the real mysteries that are in the astral realm, you know? So this place, this astral realm is actually a place for us to wake up, you know, that's what it's for. It's just for us to wake up. So, yeah, I mean, I've been, (laughs) I've been obsessed with it ever since actually, you know, you know, I think uh, when you're, when you're speaking about a minute ago, I think I might be confusing astral projection with remote viewing. Yeah. Yeah, probably. I think I am. I think I am. Yeah. That's that's some bad. You're talking to some general. That's crazy. Mike, what would the difference be to you? Like, what's the difference between remote viewing? I, I'm. I think there is a difference. But what do you like? How do you? Well, because I think I was just more of an observer of some other place, mm. and so, I was just like above it. I, I had no control. Like you didn't over. remember getting there. You all of a sudden you're just viewing somewhere yes. that's not yes. local to your physical body. Yes. Yeah, I had no control. I wasn't able to fly. I wasn't able to move. And I was also taken to a different place. So I'm thinking that maybe that what I'm referring to more is uh, remote viewing. But maybe they're similar how you how you would achieve it. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah well, remote viewing, I think it's just is a, it's a state of projecting your consciousness into a different location, right? Yes, yeah. Um, the out-of-body experience is actually, you know, there's... A, in my opinion, there's the out-of-body experience. There's the astral projection, which is to me is kind of like in between. And then there's like direct remote viewing where you can just stay where you're at, see something somewhere a long ways away and draw it, you know. But we do have different energetic bodies, right? So if you if you know you want to know that you're having like the out-of-body experience that I'm talking about, the best way to know it is to is to lay down like you're gonna sleep or something, get into the vibratory state and peel yourself out of your body, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the best way to know. And then once you have it, you'll you'll never doubt that you've had it. It's kind of like once you've done acid, if you took, and I keep bringing acid up, but when I was a young, when I was a young kid, they used to give us stuff in school all the time, say, oh yeah, this is acid and da 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 And it was always fake and be, yep. until you got the real acid, right? I've said, and you know, I've, said, I've said that on this show a thousand times. Have you? Yeah. So you know what I'm yeah. talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. Because in the yeah. 90s, in the 90s, acid was, was one of those things that everyone said they had it. And yeah. it wasn't, and, and, and people would do crazy things. And I, I've even a couple of people in my town committed suicide and it became this scary thing. But then I ended up working for a band without giving them away. And they, I remember them saying, hey, some of the guys in the back saying, try this. And I was like, yeah, you know, back in the 90s, it was crazy. I don't know. They're like, well, then I don't think you had acid. And once I took it from from real acid, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. first of all, I always I always wanted to get back. Like it was just night and day. Whatever those research chemicals that were going around the nineties that were pretending to be acid, it's totally different. It wasn't like just said about that that hump. Yeah, it wasn't just the nineties. I, I think uh, when it comes to acid, I think it's like uh, or any psychedelic, but especially acid. I just feel like like it's like a, there's a veil around us at all times, and that mm-hmm. the, the the veil becomes thinner. 
And yeah. as soon as that acid hits you, that, that veil is thinner. So you could see the, 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 you could feel and see the frequencies and the energy all around you. That's probably here. It is not even probably, it's around you at all times, just that we can't see it. You know, that's pretty cool, man. So I, I like, I like what you said also about the magic that you're messing around with magic or esoteric, because I feel like in this conspiratorial world or wherever we're in, uh, these circles, people use that as dirty words. And to me, it's not, uh, it's not all magic is the same esoteric and, and occult doesn't have to always be bad. People always want to call it bad. I don't believe that. I just think it's just the uh, hidden, hidden knowledge and hidden stuff that we probably at one point were a lot more aware of than we are now. And people, for some reason, like to, to dirty all these words. I yeah. messed around with a lot of this stuff, but I think I was playing around and had no idea what I was doing. So I've scaled it back a lot, not because I believe these things are bad, just because I know I was messing with stuff in a way I probably shouldn't have. And I have more reverence now when I'm messing with certain things, like, you know, even, even if something as simple as like law of attraction, I don't just throw it out there. Now I, I, I hold it with a different reverence because I've learned, I've learned kind of the hard way. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. A lot of this stuff is based on the, the, the reason why it's called hermetic magic is because it's all based on these hermetic principles, right? So, uh, the seven hermetic principles, which you can put to the test, these are principles, metaphysical principles that you can put to the test and see that they're real, right? Yep. So a chaos magicians kind of learned this too, as they're, they're the more modern magicians, right? So they don't really focus on religion, dogma, angels, demons, and actually put the fear of the dogma into it. But they do know that these are egregoric energies that can be used because a lot of people believe in these things. And when we all, as creators, when we all believe something, especially uh, like if it goes way back in time, the more powerful it is, right? And that goes all the way down to just a symbol, right? So when we say a word, that word is is vibrated differently with different languages, which there's a whole other Tower of Babel, divide us up kind of thing there, right? Yes. But when we look at a symbol, like the circle, that circle is understood from every creator that's ever walked the face of the earth, what it means functionally, what it means esoterically, what you can do with it, all of that stuff. So therefore, magicians use a circle to represent many things that are true, right? And that circle also protects us. That circle also let, it also tells the universe, hey, I'm turning the light switch on. You know, it also, it's also like a, a symbol of God, the everything, the alpha and the omega, right? And because of the law of polarity and because we're polar beings, and because we have left brain, right brain, we're designed to be polar. The circle kind of represents something higher than that too, right? So we need to understand this. And when you get into hermetics, it really starts opening your eyes up, you know? Like, yeah. I don't even know if hermetics, is, hermetics came from anything before it, but I just know that it works, right? Like, that's all I know. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're 100% right. You're talking about symbols and... And I heard you say on tinfoil hat about Baphomet. Now I, I want to hear before I tell you, before I tell you my experience with Baphomet, if you don't mind, you didn't get to uh, explain on tinfoil. You guys moved, I think over to the swastika or something else. Can you no. tell me, can you tell me what, what your thoughts are on Baphomet? Well, the, the first, the first introduction to Baphomet, as far as I'm concerned, was from Elvis Levi and his book, Transcendental Magic, which Baphomet was a symbol that represented as above, so below, the masculine, the feminine. It pretty much represented all the seven hermetic principles in this one 
being, right? So, but egregorically, as time went on, you'll notice that that being started changing. Eventually, you know, they started putting different things in there into the symbol. Then the next thing you know, there's another symbol with two children beside it. But the original Baphomet symbol is in Elvis Elvis Levi's book, Transcendental Magic. Um, I think that we've made something pretty bad out of it. And now it is bad because we've made it. See, we got this idea that the things that are outside of us are good or bad or whatever. And I'm not saying they're not. I'm not saying good and evil don't exist. But when we define something the way it is, and the more people define something the way it is, then it becomes that. And the universe answers, right? Including Baphomet. If no one would have ever, like, just left that alone and just let Eliphas Levi say, okay, this is what Baphomet represents, you know, as above, so below. The microcosm and the macrocosm, the masculine and the feminine, the creative force into Malkuth and all that stuff. And it shows that in the symbolism and everybody just left it alone, you know, it would have been fine, but it was never left alone because it's scary looking. And when people started getting into the occult, they're like, well, look at Baphomet. Look at that. That's the devil. That's the beast 666, right? Now it is used that way. The, the satanic churches are using even that symbol. They were in Little Rock, Arkansas, the big statue of Baphomet, not, and it wasn't even close to the one that was in Elvis Levi's book. And now it's a symbol of Satanism. You know, so, yeah. So, I mean, I don't want to repeat myself too many times. Many of my listeners have heard this story a bunch of times, but the, the last, the last ayahuasca ceremony I was in, even though now looking back, I do believe I might've been a victim of some kind of shaman war, but I, I, I have, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. I was in the middle and apparently I didn't realize these shamans were at war with each other. And I was sitting with this, this, this shaman that was not friends with the shaman that I was working with for years. But anyway, so I'm in this apartment in New York City, which I've never, every time I've done ceremonies, they've always been out in nature or whatever. I was invited to go to this ceremony and I went and uh, like I said, it was a a small circle in New York City and the glass of ayahuasca he gave me was, first he gave me a small one and I was what we would call holding space. I wasn't seeing much, but I was there to hold space for the other people that were going through their their stuff. And he said, "Uh, Michael, it looks like you're not really feeling the medicine. Would you like more? And he filled up a glass that way too big. But he uh, <laughs> you took too big of a dose, huh? And I took it. And, 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 and I, I've, I've analyzed this experience many times with the different shamans. And they say, well, the medicine, you know, you wouldn't have taken it if you weren't supposed to and blah, blah, blah. So whatever that is, I, I drank it. And man, it was very hard to explain exactly what happened. But eventually, at one point, I was down to my underwear on this dirty apartment floor. And it felt like the weight of the world. Tons and tons of weight was on my back and I could not move and I was frozen on the, on the ground. And when I looked behind me, well, first I felt a steam coming, a steam or a, it's, I, it sounded almost like a horse, right? A, that, that, like when it's, when the nose, uh, what would you call that? I don't know. A whinny. Nay. Nay. Like, yeah, yeah, so yeah. yeah. But you know, when they're, they're pissed off, you know, I don't know what that is, right? You know, and then when that steam or whatever you want to call it hit my back, it was, a, it was a, a, a chill that went up and down my back that I'll never forget. I started pouring sweat and I finally had enough energy to look back. And when I looked up, I saw the most sleek, sleek feathers, black. If black was ever um, a psychedelic color, if that was, this was it, it was the most sleek. It looked like when a car was, was waxed and it almost looks like it's wet and it was actually feathers everywhere. And then I looked, even more back and I saw the breasts 
and the breast was so perfect. And it was every time it would breathe, it was moving perfect. And then I got a, a little glimpse of the Baphomet's head and it was on my back for a while. Scared the shit out of me. I was, I don't know how long I was like this, but it was, it felt like forever. And so many things went through my mind. And it's interesting what you were saying about as, as above, so below and the balance, because at first it was a terrifying situation, a terrifying experience. But the more I analyzed it, and I still to this day analyze it, some things happened after that day. I never watched pornography. At one point when I was able to actually look into the room, it was an infinite amount of little screens of the most graphic pornography everywhere. Where I just wanted to oh. stop, where I wanted to stop. There's little pixels of it everywhere. And I was going through pain and suffering and all this stuff. And, but I have to say, and this, people might not like what I'm going to say right now. The being didn't feel like it was going to hurt. It was putting me through something, but it didn't give me a feeling of like, it wasn't sheer terror from the being. It, it was, it was more like it was teaching me a lesson and I'm still trying to figure out what this was all about and what it meant. And I've, I've, I was a big psychonaut and, and traveled all over and, and drank medicine with all types of shamans from all over the world. I have not done ayahuasca yahe since I have done a boga since then in, in ceremony, but I have not done that. And it's kind of pumped the brakes on it, but you said something about uh, as above, so below and, and, and I'm, I'm believing, I'm starting to believe that that maybe that was just a message for me to not be so scared and to embrace yeah. the shadow, embrace the shadow. Yeah. Maybe you're, maybe you're out of balance a little bit, right? Exactly. hundred percent. Yeah. You know, we're, we're in the, the middle world here where we're, we're all made of good and evil. Right. Yes. Okay. But when you get to the astral realms, there's, you'll see the different higher levels of goodness and darkness. And in the Kabbalah, they call the tree, they have the tree, then they have the clip off tree. But here where we live in Malkuth, there's a balance inside of us all. Right. And that sexual energy that's inside you has a lot to do with Baphomet, actually. So when you're in, when you're giving it all to porn, right. You're giving that energy into the darkness, right? Which this energy, and I wouldn't say darkness as far as like evil's concerned, but more like a, an empty hole. So this, this sexual energy that's inside of us all, which is, it's not a big secret anymore, you know, is the, one of the biggest creative forces that that's inside of us. And it has a lot to do with love too, right? So we have a primitive energy that's inside of us. And we have a, a divine energy that's attached to it as well, right? Yeah. These, these, when we bring masculine and feminine together in the name of love, not just bringing it together, but in the name of love, massive, beautiful things create like life and babies or even bigger. You know, it's, it is the essential creative force in the occult, right? Yeah. So as far as I'm concerned, the universe, we're living in one big, massive, beautiful orgasm. Right. That's what the universe is. But I could see why it would show you all this, though. Mm -hmm. I, I could see why it would show you all this. Like you're not you need to bring yourself back into balance. Right. If you have a, a porn problem, which millions of people do, I wouldn't beat yourself up about yeah. that. Right. But the fact that you took the ayahuasca, maybe that was a, a doorway for the elemental of Baphomet to come out, you know, because you're you were in those realms and. uh Baph but we have to understand Baphomet wouldn't exist if we didn't create him. Yeah. You know, 
And what you witnessed was the power of our creation. We created that thing, you know? Yeah, that's thinking about a lot of stuff while you're saying this, because in my early days of the ceremonies, I would see, I would see beings that I had no idea. And I would later research that I never looked into or anything and be like, wow, okay. That's what I think I, I came in contact with. This one, it, it does make sense that it's, it's a, it's a manifest manifestation that, that we, that we put on. And I, it makes sense. It also makes sense when you said about balance, because at that time, even though I thought I was bettering myself, I almost was going to these ceremonies as a turn into my raves on the weekends. As much as I want to pretend that I was, I, it started off as a good idea as I was bettering myself and it turned out almost a scene and I was going all the time and taking it too far. So when you said out of balance, that made a lot of sense. And when I said that I stopped, I haven't gone in a couple of years since that experience, it kind of makes sense to, to put me back into balance. And, I, and a lot is making sense right now after, by you saying that a, a lot. A really, yeah, man, like, balance is everything. Balance yeah. is, balance is everything. Even when we bring the, the masculine and feminine, or we, well, we could say alpha and omega or the two poles inside of us together for our own creations. We don't, we can't do that if our elements are out of balance. Right. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Right. So yeah. you, you seem like a guy that has a lot of passion and intellect into him, you know, mass amounts of passion and intellect, mass amounts of passion. I need the knowledge. I need driving to find something, right? Yes. Where that energy is channeling is, is what it's going to come back around and show you. So if you think about like the universe as a figure eight, we think the spirit is some better place than humanity, but in actuality, just like the magician card shows you that spirit depends on life and life depends on spirit and we work together, you know? And so, uh, that's the, the beauty of the mystery of life, death, resurrection, life, death, resurrection. We're, we're all working yeah. together to keep this thing going. So Absolutely. when you're out of balance, the universe is going to go, here you go. I'm going to show you where you're out of balance. Where are you using this energy? What could you use it for that's better maybe? You know, so you're always on that journey of, of trying to get to that, that balanced, uniquely you. That makes sense. You know, it, it does make sense. And I'm a Libra and I've been told many times that balance is even more important. I mean, it's important oh, yeah. for everybody. And I guess that's maybe it's a thing where I do get myself out of balance or I'm one way or the other. Oh, we all are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, man. We all are. Yeah. <laughs> it does seem like when you are in that balance is when you get the flow state, when you get, you create something amazing. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool that we're having this conversation. I almost, I almost need this for myself. This is great. <laughs> yeah, dude. If you go back and read, and read uh, Manly P. Hall's book, What the Ancient Wisdom Expects from His Disciples, he specifically talks about that in a more free Masonic way. But when we channel our energy to like balance our lives out, whether it's the intellect, which is the element of like air or our passions and will, which is fire or our bodies and our physical world and finances, which is earth or our emotions and our dream world and symbols, which is water, right? When we start to learn how to balance these energies daily, which is something Freemason teaches, but they don't tell people that that's what it's doing to balance your energies daily, to build that perfect stone, to take off the rough parts of yourself, you become this massive being and creator, right? And you'll start to have more and more higher spiritual experiences and your creations will start to become more and more focused and effective kind of like 
compound interest, right? Yeah. You know, and that's what we're here to do in this realm. And actually in this realm of life where we're double beings is to purify ourselves and grow our souls, you know? Yeah. To kind of switch gears a little bit, do you, what do you think with all this research and all this work you've done, where do you think we are in the timeline? Do you think we are in a uh, space where, on my computer right now, do you think we are in a space of, of we're moving, we're ascending as a, as a, as a collective? Man, I don't know. I, you know what, like everything in time, I think I know something I I don't (laughs) know, but I will say this, where we are right now though, like creatively and expressively it's it's like some type of aquarian energy where we're all trying to find ourselves uniquely but also express ourselves uniquely at the same time and and if you look at a chart of technology which it's funny it happens to be it really starts to take off after alistair crowley invoked this being which it could be coincidental i think it is but i think it, like i said i think it's like compound interest man I think we're constantly accelerating and it's just going to get faster and faster. But where we are, like specifically in the timeline, I have no idea. You know, we may think we're years ahead, but in actuality, we, we may still be just primitive compared to what the universe is actually trying to get us to become, you know? Yeah. Now you mentioned the age of Aquarius. Now, are are we really entering that age? I think we are. Yeah. Yeah, I think we are like for real this time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I do too. And it seems like to me, it feels like we're coming out of something and, and entering something new. I don't know how long that will take, but it does to me, it just seems like how civilization is kind of, it's crumbling in a way and all systems are crumbling in a way. And that has to happen before something new, you know, comes and right. Uh, right. So I don't know. I have as much as crazy as times are, I do believe that we're headed somewhere bet- better. And I, and I'm hoping it's the sage of Aquarius that we're entering, but I don't know. I, I, I don't, I haven't researched much. I've talked to a couple of people that have, have told me about this stuff. And, uh, I know that you've researched all this stuff all the time. So that's why I had to ask that question. Yeah, uh, I, do, I do. But like, I'm starting to think I do research a lot, but I'm starting to think there's no, you cannot even in magic. And I'm a little, I'm a little rigid when it comes to the occult too. Like, you know, people People think I'm a little rigid because I'm, it's old school, but you, uh, you can't put limits on yourself almost, right? Even what you think. I think, I, I think that we talk about the age of Aquarius and astrology and these things so much because it's like I said before, since the beginning of time, we've been using the stars for guidance before religion, before everything. So if there was like an egregoric energy, like I was talking about earlier, Every being on the earth has been using the stars for, to, to guide us, to measure this stuff. Right. So in some sense at this point, it has to be real. It has to be, you know, maybe not the way we picture it, but because we've created it to be that way, you know, if that makes any sense, it, it, it's a little matrixy once you start thinking about it too much. So <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. And Joe, you'd rather yeah. say something, you'd rather say something that I, I've, I've been saying myself, um, that the more I, that the further I go, the more, I, the more I feel like I don't know shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like yeah. as soon as I think I know what the, like, okay, I think I got to figure it out. It just knocks me back down. And that's like with almost with anything, it's funny. I, I don't know if that's just as a sign of getting older or, or, or just working on yourself, but yeah, it's like yeah. more and more, I, there was a time that I really was like, I think I got this all figured out. Like I really thought I had it all figured out. And then I realized 
ah, you don't know shit. <laughs> you don't know shit. And uh, yeah. it's, it's interesting. You know, I wanted to ask you this question first, but that's okay. We went a little bit backwards. So you were a member of the OTO, correct? No, no, I was a member of the Golden Dawn, not the OTO. Okay, the Golden Dawn. It's just two different things. Right? My, okay. Okay. my fault, Mike. Don't don't feel bad. I I misspoke. Not uh, you. I gave well, you okay. I gave you okay. bad info. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. The Golden Dawn. How do you become a member of the Golden Dawn? Like, do you can you just seek that out yourself, or do you have to be yeah. recruited? Yeah. Yeah, you can speak okay. it out yourself. It's just like Freemasonry, right? But any, uh, most magical systems are constructed by the, the teachings of the Golden Dawn, including uh, the OTO. Like when the OTO already existed, Crowley was a member of the Golden Dawn at first. And then once he became an adept and he got kind of bored with the dogma and the, the rigidity of it, and maybe it was too Christian for him. I don't know. Who knows, right? Yeah. He went to the OTO, which already existed. But he, he took what he learned from magic, which is the secrets of the, the male and female forces, and went to the OTO and was like, I already know what y'all's secret is. And then they yeah. kind of made him a big deal. And now he was pretty much was the head of the OTO. But he was originally a member of the Golden Dawn, which is the original teachings of the, of the modern magic that we know today, right? So any time you see Wiccans, witches, anytime you hear people talking about watchtowers or things like that or elements and stuff, all of that stuff came from the Golden Dawn teachings, right? All of it. That was the original source of magic. If you want to study the original source of our modern magic, it's Golden Dawn. If you want to go back further, it's Grimwark, right? And when I mean Grimwark, it's like the Grimwires were manuscripts that people wrote, you know, to like let's say the Goetia or things like that when they were trying to invoke spirits or Nokian magic, which is a higher part of the Golden Dawn, but which, you know, Edward Kelly and John Dee created, this angelic language. So, yeah, the Golden Dawn is kind of a mixture of Rosicrucian magic, theosophy. They have a whole story behind it where they got all of these things from three chiefs or whatever. But the truth is, is I think they just put a lot of mysteries together. They made a system out of it. And that system worked. And yeah, that's, that's what I'm a member of. Now there's two orders in the United States that are, they kind of battle each other if you want to join a fraternity, but you can do golden dawn magic all by yourself. Yeah. But if you want to join a fraternity or I wouldn't even call it a fraternity because it's male and female. Right. So it's just, you know, a secret society, the golden dawn, the two that I think are the best are chick Cicero's golden dawn. And David Griffin's. Now they don't like each other, obviously, obviously, but it's the same thing in Freemasonry. Once you get into secret societies, you'll see all these politics and all this stuff that happen, you know, in there. But both of these orders have people in them that have original, somewhat original lineages back to the original order of the Golden Dawn or Israel or Guardi and people like that, so to speak. So, so. Do you think that uh, the the these secret societies, the Golden Dawn, the Mace? I mean, I might be lumping too many together, but do you think that 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 they're vilified? I think the Golden Dawn gets vilified and attached to Crowley all the time, right? Okay. Because the Golden Dawn wasn't popular until Crowley even came about and exposed it, right? So therefore, when people think Aleister Crowley, they think Golden Dawn, or when they think Golden Dawn, they think Aleister Crowley. Yeah, uh, I I don't think the Golden Dawn 
if people actually study Golden Dawn magic would see that there is nothing to be vilified about it. Absolutely mm. nothing. I was going to say, right. I, I have this book, Joe. By Ezra Regardi, the Philosopher's yeah. Stone. Well, and what's funny is it's actually, I have this book and then I have an original copy of Israel Regardi. And it always bothered me. I wondered why I made the mistake of getting it because I noticed like a clear difference because this is edited and annotated by Cicero. By Chicken Tabitha Cicero. So there was yeah. like this kind of animosity for this unknown party. While I was reading, I'm like also like getting taken into like these people's criticism of some group of people I don't even know about. So yeah, I see, left a bad taste in my the, mouth. The politics of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. never understood why. So I'm, I'm glad you explained that. Yeah. Yeah, well, Chicken Chicken Ta Chick Cicero wrote letters back and forth to Israel Regardi. It was initiated by Israel Regardi. Israel Regardi was initiated by Aleister Crowley, and Crowley was initiated by Mathers, right? So I, you know, like anybody that's been initiated by David Griffin or Chick Cicero or any of these people have somewhat of a lineage to Aleister Crowley, whether they know it or not, you know, and the original Golden Dawn. But that stuff doesn't matter. Like you could read the Golden Dawn yourself, and learn all kinds of cool stuff about it. Do the basic like rituals of protection, banishing, invocations, things. Just do basic, learn the basic elemental stuff. And you'll start to have astral experiences. You'll start to have higher synchronicities. You'll start to see things play out in your life that need to be played out for your benefit. As crazy as it may seem, no matter how stuff's falling apart, it may not seem as for your benefit, but it is to help you become you. you mm. know? Now, is there any like karma, I don't know if I say the word karmatic law or karm, karma when you do mess with these things where something bad may happen because you are messing with things that you don't know? I understand, fully understand. I think there's always, like if you study hermetics, which is what all this stuff is based on, mm -hmm. you know, there's always a, a danger to getting involved with things that you don't understand hermetically, right? So... Yeah. It, you know, when people watch things about magic, they turn on the TV and they see somebody do a ritual and say a bunch of names and poof, that's the end of it, right? But the, the truth is, is this is about building energy. That's why it's ritual magic. So the more you do the same things every day, the more energy you build. The more you stay in your circle every day, the more it becomes, you know, this energetic kind of thing for you. So you have to, you have to I would say, study hermetics. And I think, I think the basic teachings of magic are pretty much safe, but I, I would, and I think anybody that studies magic would tell you this, I would take it all very slowly, you know? Yeah. And very scientifically and, and slowly. Like some people don't believe that. Some people just say, yeah, well, I, I did a few rituals and I'm going to open up the Goetia and start invoking demons. Okay. Well, you know. <laughs> do that but and you might be fine at the end of the day but you're going to have to deal with the energy the hermetics of it all you're going to have to deal with it you know yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's definitely true <laughs> oh mark you study this stuff yeah it's funny when joe was talking about that i kind of got a flashback of before i had a car i had one of those motorized scooters you know and I used one of the symbols of protection from Israel Regardi's book, The Tree of Life, on the, like, I spray painted my whole scooter black and then did, like, a design over it because I didn't like 
the way it looked. So I put that sigil on the front of my scooter, the protection sigil. It's like a triangle with like a crescent moon over the yeah. top of it. And I never got into an accident once on that thing. But yeah. Do you, do you think, do you, do you, do you think that the, the people that run this world are using this type of, I think they're well. I don't know. I know that indirectly they're, they're using hermetics, right? Yeah. If you study the law of hermetics, they're definitely using that. You know why everybody like <laughs> Freder Xavier uses this example, but you're, you're, you know, Chick-fil-A, right? When they had that big, big fiasco about how they were against homosexuals and stuff like that. Yeah. At, they, they had this whole thing about homosexuality or whatever. Chick-fil-A, a fast food, oh man, it was such a big deal and all this stuff. But their sales increased. They polarized people. They got people, they used the law of polarity for their advantage to increase their sales and make them more special and more conservative looking, you know. And if you're in the car with anybody that's conservative and you're riding down the road and they're like, oh, there's KFC and there's Chick-fil-A. Well, the people that are more conservative and that are snooty and they think there's, where are they going to pull in? You think they're going to pull in KFC? They love Chick-fil-A. And when I eat it, I'm like, it's just dry chicken and a biscuit to me. Like, I don't get it why everybody's in line to get to yeah. the thing, you know. Yep. But they use hermetics for that. Do they do it? Are they aware of it? I don't know. Maybe that's how, the, maybe we're all using it. The idea is to be sure. aware of it, you know. That's um, very true. But Manly P. Hall is, in his book, The Ancient Wisdom Expects from His Disciples, which is a short manuscript, he says the things that are running this earth are actually metaphors physical masters in the metaphysical realm of the seven different schools, which is a pretty trippy thought that the things that are running this world aren't actually in this world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I don't know. I've, yeah. <laughs> Man, this is awesome. This is great. So you got to read that book. It, it, any, when you get bored, go on YouTube and listen to Josh Reeves version of what the ancient wisdom expects from his disciples. That'll trip you out, man. I definitely will. Now, he's a conspiracy guy, so he'll, he'll stop reading for a minute. And he'll be like, I knew it. You know, these motherfuckers are admitting this and that and all. But then he, he's, when he goes back and read it, like, it's just so trippy. And being in Freemasonry and Rosicrucianism and the Golden Dawn, like, I, I really realize everything in that book that he's talking about is legit. You know, it's, it's, I think it's legit. Now, Joe, what would you say, you know, maybe to expand on Mike's question earlier, like, should you mess around with this stuff? What would you say to people who, you know, have this sort of just fear and they kind of like point at any occult symbol as like, oh, yep, there's evidence that there's devils out here. You know, this sort of, I don't know, it seems like a satanic panic is carried over into the conspiracy community. Like even talking about these subjects, there'll be people from the flat earth community or whichever Absolutely. community that'll be like, Oh no, this is all crap. This is a cult symbolism. Like how, you know, wh what do you think? Is that, is that in like, is that like a defense mechanism for those who are truly using this because they know, you know, the less people know the better for them. So they'll just throw a big shade of fear over it to turn people away from it. Or what, what do you think? Why is it like that? I think that's more religion and specifically not, not, uh, the, not our, not Christianity as a whole. I think that fear goes back to the, like 
the ancient Catholic in the days of like Henry VIII and all this other stuff. And it just stayed with us, right? But the, the occult mysteries that need to be understood are all in the Bible. They're all in the religions that were brought up to us. And if you read uh, Karen Armstrong, it's, it's a really good book about this, you know, A History of God. It kind of shows us that, you know, the occultists are the ones that actually know where these names come from. They know exactly where they came from, what they represent, and all this stuff. While the people that aren't studying this stuff, they assume to know from the outside, either the outside looking in or stuff they haven't studied, and it becomes a big, you know, good and evil thing because we're fascinated and mesmerized by our own fear. I don't think people use it for power. I think I think they do when they realize that we're fascinated and mesmerized by our own fear. Then it's easy for someone to control you, just like, you know, your ex-wife can control you because she says, you know, like, I'm going to sue you for child support if you don't stop doing what you're doing, that kind of thing, you know? So I think it's our fault that we have people that are like, that, that think it's devils and stuff. And it was a, the reason why it was kept secret and occulted is because it's actually pretty powerful, right? Like to, to give someone all this, it's like giving all these people this knowledge of creation mm. that they don't understand and they can end up hurting themselves, hurting their families. And look, Aleister Crowley was an intelligent guy. He read his book. He's a super intelligent, but this stuff has a way of becoming where it takes over your ego, right? Yeah, yeah. And maybe Crowley didn't understand the the mysteries of love like he thought he did. Maybe having 40 concubines wasn't the best way to do it. You know, maybe, who knows, right? But his life didn't end very well. Parsons' life didn't end very well, you know? Like, like I say, like, I don't know to tell people, say, oh, it's safe. I'm not going to tell people that, right? Yeah. But, but to say... <clears throat> It's dangerous. I would say, okay, but don't like not look into it. You know, mm, you yeah. need to know what's really going on, right? If you believe in metaphysics or even a spirit world at all, you need to look into this stuff and study it. You know, yeah, great, absolutely great, man. This has been awesome. This has really been awesome. I, I thank you so much for for coming on and really enlightening me and, and actually making me feel a little bit better about my Baphomet story. Kind of had yeah, a moment. I have to I had go a, back and listen to it. Man. I had a moment. Like the whole story. I had a moment like during the podcast. So I was a little. Well, it's a relief, a man. It's a relief because yeah, it's 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 a message for you to to have an, a learning experience. It's not, you know, some yeah. other being oppressing you, which you knew that. But it's 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 good to hear it from a guy like Joe who is comfortable in uh, those murky waters. You know, he's well versed. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, a lot of people tell you, man, you got you got some dark thing attached to you. Baphomet's going to get you, man. He's on you. And it could just be like an ex a massively big experience that you need to feel and experience so you can grow, you know. Yeah. And maybe that's why it showed up. Absolutely. Joe, right this on. has been, this is really, it's been amazing, man. But one last time, do you tell our listeners where they could uh, get more of your information? Because this is great. Yeah, you can go to the network, the radio station that's still kicking and alive is Fringe.fm. Please make a donation until I get this thing running, like totally on its all its legs, donations help. My radio shows at LightingTheVoid.com. I do that at 9 p.m. Pacific, uh, Monday through Friday on Fringe.fm. Mark shows on the Fringe FM. We got other shows. We're bringing new shows in. So, oh yeah, it's a good time. Awesome. Thank you again, man. Appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. Anytime. 
this is Mystic Mark, producer and co-host on the Freethinker Society. Thank you for tuning in and thank you for listening to the show. Please don't forget to share this show with your friends. We had sort of a gap in episodes, but we are back on track. So please remind everyone that you know that's into this kind of stuff that the Freethinker Society is back in action. And if you want to take part in the Freethinker Society, be a part of the show even, go over to our Telegram. We're going to build up a community there. If you're listening to the show, come join us. Be a part of the community on our Telegram. You can leave us a voice message and we will play your voice message on the show. 